When you're smiling. Hey, you. Bubbly sparkling water is crisp, refreshing, and perfect for any occasion. Kind of like my voice, but in a can. No calories, no sweeteners, all smiles. Bubbly. Crack a smile. Hey, Daniel. How you doing? John, how are you? That's great, man. I just want to say thank sure. you for... Yeah, I just want to say thank you for being on the show. Oh, no problem, man. How are you? So, how's your day been going? Or should I say morning? <laughs> yeah, well, it's... Uh, hence why my voice is a bit low here, because it's uh, 2 a.m. here in Ireland. Oh, okay. I have a sleep. I have a sleeping nine-month-old baby upstairs. And a fiancé who uh, will probably give out to me if I wake her up, you know? Oh, yeah. I don't want you to get in trouble with your fiancé. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. Big time, big time. I'm so, actually just watching the fights here. UFC fights Ireland, so. Oh, nice. That's always fun to watch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, so, what I'm going to do... Huh? I just hope you can understand me with my Irish accent. Oh, I, I can speak. understand you perfectly, man. Oh, that's great. Cool. Yeah. You're fine. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to go on ahead, do, introduce the show, then introduce everyone to you, and then you can also talk about uh, what you do and things like that. Yeah, no problem, John. Uh, okay. Go for Yeah, no, I'm easy. All right. <laughs> hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show for today's podcast episode. I actually have Daniel Lloyd with me. Say hello to everyone, Daniel. How you doing, guys? How are you? Delighted to be and... with uh, John here. And tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Well, um, I'm, I've worked in the film and TV industry here in Ireland for over 10 years now. Um, I studied film and television in college. and I'm addicted to, to, to TV and films, just probably like yourself, John, to be honest. And um, I always wanted to get into making them or being part of how to get into them in some way or, some way or another. And I just hounded production companies for months and months saying can I work on a set for free even and then I actually did work on sets for free and then I was just as good as my job at that they said I just want to have a full-time job and I went from certain films and tv shows it's it's freelance business unfortunately so you have to kind of once you, one job is finished you have to go searching for the next job you know exactly yeah and you also have a little podcast as well I believe I do. I just started a podcast at the moment called Let's Get Dangerous. <laughs> so um, it's a play my name. I, I did it in college. Uh, we had a radio show because what I studied was um, audiovisual media. So it was film, TV, uh, radio, uh, media. So it was uh, visual effects. There was a wide variety of subjects. But we used to do a little radio show every once a year. And then... Uh, I did, I did a segment on it called Let's Get Dangerous, and then I had never even thought of it. And then I've always listened to podcasts for ages, and I said, I don't know how I'm just trying it. I said, um, even if I get a few listeners, we I'd be happy enough. Or I was off, I was kind of bad with memories. So I said, maybe if I kept the podcast, I can listen back to the podcast and remember what happened in my life as I was recording <laughs> them, you know? So, right. Um, I but, remember, uh, yeah, I remember actually hearing you say that in your first podcast episode. <laughs> Yeah, I did actually say that. Yeah, good man. Fair play for your listen. Much appreciate. Yeah, so... Um, oh, no problem. It's uh, I, I only released them one, once a, one a week, but they're kind of long episodes, you know. Sometimes they're an hour, sometimes it's two hours, but I'm kind of hounding all the people I used to work with in film and TV, so getting them on. I had, um, this week, I had a visual f- a girl who's worked 18 years in the industry. She does VFX, and... Uh, she's a nutritionist as well, so that was a good conversation I had with her. And she's worked on films like The Old Guard that's coming to Netflix soon, um, and she's working on the new show Foundations for any of those sci-fi lovers out there. Um, that's oh, awesome. That's the Apple TV's like one of their big productions they're making at the moment, and that they're making that in Limerick. So, um, yeah, so it's just fun doing a podcast, and it's it's amazing the community out there, John, isn't it? Like. Uh, most definitely, man. I mean, it just amazes me of how far this podcast can actually go mm. and the places that it can actually take you and everything. Absolutely. And, like, 
Right. I just kind of like I I probably would have never met you you yourself, you know, and I, I, we just kind of connected from one of our uh, on those Facebook groups. There's like some number, some of them have like forty thousand members in them, and you just kind of post your podcast in there, and you and people give each other a voice. And I actually just for when you you said I'll I'll have you on, I, I kind of just reached out to. I just put a random post up saying if anybody else wants to interview me or whatever, just let me know. And the amount of people there came back and said, oh, yeah, I'll have you on the podcast. And, and I'm the same. I'd have anybody on the podcast. So, John, I'll probably hound you to have come on. Let's get dangerous soon. Enough. Oh, yeah, most definitely, man. I'll be I'll be down to actually do an episode with you. Yeah, cool. And you're right. That was actually the point that I was going to make, too. If it wasn't for the share group and stuff like that, I wouldn't have ever met you or anything like that. And this just goes to show you the possibilities that this podcast can go, mm, you know. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So, before we get in our top ten uh, movies that made us cry, you know, I, I know that you worked in a little show called Vikings. Mm, <laughs> yes, I do indeed. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, it's over now, but they're gonna right. they're gonna make a sequel called Vikings Valhalla. Um, but at the moment, yeah, for I spent a good six, seven years. Um, from season one all the way to season six on Vikings and um, it was wow. one of my best it's like basically made my career because it was uh, one of those jobs that I'd last so long so it was the first season was only nine episodes so it's a bit shorter but then after that it was like 20 episodes every season so it'd be I'd be working for a good 10 months or 11 months every year so and then I, I had that much needed month off because the film and TV industry, um, it's it's a high, long hours now. I think it's worse in America. I think like sometimes shows could film for eighteen hours in a day. But um, right. on Vikings and Irish weather, we we could have been sometimes, you know, get up at five a.m. in the morning. I'm driving an hour to to be six a.m. and I'm, I'm signing in two hundred odd extras and to get dressed into Viking costumes and bring them up top of a mountain. And then we'll film in the rain and the wind for a good fucking 14 hours. And then after that, we go home. Everybody has to get out of costumes. And then I drive home. So it's a good 16-hour long day sometimes. Oh, wow. So th- that That is crazy. Takes a lot out of you, you know. So, um, Most definitely. Yeah, so I, was, I, I started off as a, what's called a trainee assistant director. Um, mm-hmm. So on a film set, you a second AD. Uh, usually a tour AD, and then you have a, a numerous amount of trainee ADs who kind of everybody does a little aspect. Like some, some, some would maybe look after cast members. The others, uh, some could just look after background, and some could look after um, could be with the DOP. Uh, it's basically that everybody has a panel in every department. Uh, it's just like we are connect to the force AD who kind of runs the show the whole film set he are, he, they, they organise everything like. so that's the goal when you get finally to the force AD you're, you're creating the schedule you're working hand and side alongside the director within such a um, form that like you have to have you have to know every department what they're doing uh, what's going to happen for the day so and then they walk and make the call sheet every day so I don't know if you know this but Every film set gets what's called like a call sheet, and then okay. that gives you a kind of a rough idea of what you're filming for the day. As you know, like film and TV, you could be shooting um, an episode from the final scene of the film, the first day of filming. <laughs> if you're walking on a film, like you know, so it just depends on how the schedule works and uh, what locations we have available, what actors are available, all that type of thing. And so I did the trainee work, and I used to work on set and. Um, but then I actually moved into the extras department, and that's similar to the trainee ADs work. But basically, there was a team of three of us, and our job was to constantly book every piece of background that was in a uh, show. And a show like Vikings, you could have 200 or 400 extras like, every day, nearly sometimes. Um, if you're doing battle scenes, you know, you have a, a crew, you have a 50 odd stuntmen each side and they have to kind of train these extras to be like to protect themselves with a fake sword and shield and do you have 
like there's loads of things that happened. It's hard to explain the every ins and outs of a film set, but if you have any specific questions, I'll answer you. Um, but I, yeah, I actually had a couple. Yeah, go ahead. You know, yeah. What was it like working on the show for Vikings, though? I mean, like you said, there's a lot of prep work. There's a lot of that you have to actually keep track of. You actually have to know each person in that whole entire set and where to walk certain trainees and stuff like that, too. So, and I also knew you were an assistant director, right, for Vikings? Yeah, exactly, yeah. I started off as, and, as I said, a trainee, right. assistant director, and then you move up. Uh, what was it? I have a quick question. Mm. Explain to everyone what an assistant director actually does. Yeah, well, it's kind of similar to what I was talking about there. So, um, right. it's basically, it's, it's a wide variety of things. It's It's... When you start off, it's like, um, I think that in America, maybe and in England, they call it like a runner. So you, okay. you could start simply off by getting coffee for actors um, and then coming back on set and then maybe uh, helping the actors with um, cues. So if they're, st- if they're like outside a building and you have to tell them to when to walk in, uh, that type of stuff. Um, then there's a wide variety of like background actors. So when you have like a a big village scene let's say and there's two actors walking through a scene and um, but there's obviously it's meant to be a busy village so you there's, there's background or um, extras everywhere around the film set you might have a group that you have to give direction to so you'll sit down you think so you're kind of like um you'll be telling them okay you walk at this stage do a little uh, pretend you're opening this uh, harbor and you're selling some fish and then you over here, you're sharpening your axe, all that type of thing. So you have to give everybody a little bit of direction, and then, and then sometimes an AD, a training AD could be just with a DOP for the day. So, and the DOP don't have a radio. Everybody kind of, all the ADs have radios and they're talking to each other. Right. Um, so our fourth AD would be alongside the director and saying, "Okay, well we need to," uh, and then the DOP say, "Oh." the training ID with the DOP he we could be like well what's when's um, uh, we're not ready to film yet there's no light we have to change wait for the sun and then you have to relay that all that type of stuff uh, and then keep a big job that ADs actually do is um, if we're ever filming near public places kind of stopping public from walking in it's what's called uh, lock off you'd be at one stage of a building and you're basically you're shouting around the place. Actually, that's one of the main things ADs do. We shout when it's <laughs> rolling. Uh, our first AD would say, uh, stand by, set, and we're action. And then every, we'll have to shout that. So so everybody around the second knows it's action. And then if people are making noise, we're, at, we're the first ones to go, sorry, stop making noise. Uh, lock off is basically being there if you're on the side of a beach I'm just kind of this is Vikings obviously so that's why I was saying buildings and stuff and um, right Vikings is different obviously sometimes you'd be on a beach so you'd be at the end of a beach and it's a public beach so you have to stop the public from walking onto the beach and um, now you have other departments that help you out with locations and stuff but it's a wide variety there's loads of little bits but my my main job was um because I moved up to extras, so my job was to book every piece of background artist you'd see on Vikings. So at the start of the job, what we do is we would um, hold what's called an open casting, and we tell anybody and everywhere to come into this casting to come get fill out a quick form, get a picture taken, and then we'd have a file of let's say six thousand people that came to this casting. Like there's people from America, Europe that always reached out. Saying, can I, will I come over to Ireland to apply for the Vikings because they love the show and everything? And um, we had to kind of say no sometimes because it, we couldn't pay. We we couldn't pay extras sometimes if they're from abroad because you had to go through government right. PPS and national insurance number. So for some extras, right? Because the currency is totally different. Well, that, it doesn't matter what currency yeah. really. It's, it's it's more about um, the government. Um, you know, PPS okay. number, it's what what we call over here. When America, it's like a national okay. insurance number. But you'd be surprised that like, you have so many extras that uh, or so many people that reached out from America saying, I don't care about getting paid, I want to be in Vikings, just send me <laughs> over, you know? <laughs> uh, That's just awesome. Yeah, so, yeah, so sometimes I'd be, um, 
once I get all the cat once we do an open casting, as I say, and we have all these people on foil, and we bring people say, are you free to come in for a costume film? And then we fit them for certain characters. Some might be a Viking warrior, some might be a villager, uh, some might be the opposition side, like uh, somebody from England. Um, it just depends on what their look is. If they have long hair and a beard, obviously they're going to look great as a Viking. Uh, if they're big, strong, burly, he will be a warrior if they're thin, maybe a bit frail maybe a bit more of a villager, all the type of stuff. And then we kind of cast them or what, what we want them. And this is like, I'm not talking uh, 10 a day. Like we're casting people's 50 to 100, like doing fittings for a whole few, good few weeks. And then we have a database on file. And then we're, as we go and film the show and there's battle scenes and there's village scenes, we ring people throughout the year saying, are you free to, for two days next week? All that type of thing. Um, it's a long hard process but it's it's water when you see the finished product you know and I'm just happy to work in the industry I don't want to bore your listeners too much sorry but I'm <laughs> no not at all that's a little I mean... bit of that's a little bit okay. of what I do but actually I have a funny story I might tell you um, I don't know have you watched Vikings at all I've been uh, watching a couple of episodes and everything i just now getting into it I wish that I actually got a chance to watch it when it was first aired. It's just that I think at the time my work schedule just conflicted with the times a little bit. So therefore I wasn't able to. So now I actually have a chance to actually binge it. So I'm actually going to check it out a lot more Good stuff. and dive into it more. Well, when you do watch it, okay, you can keep this in mind. In um, season four, episode four, I think it is, um, there's an episode called Y'all. Um, spelled U, sorry, Y-U-L. I think it's that's. I think that's what the episode's called. But um, it's basically like a festival that the Vikings have. That's like um a religious kind of, kind of like Christmas. But like they, 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 they paint their faces in gold and they have this big ceremony and all these Vikings come to the village. Um, this is what was scripted. This was to write. Now in the episode you'll watch. There's a person who is dressed as a, a crow, like some raven, sorry, a big huge board outfit. So he has this big board mask on and he's uh, leading this group of Viking women, led by our main actor, Travis Fimmel, uh, Ragnar, you know, and they're leading them down the hill. And this is me in the costume. <laughs> so, Oh my God, yeah. that's great. Yeah, so I, I arrive on set, uh, like me, my bosses at the time was just winding me up saying, oh, you, you'll do it. You'd be a bit of crack, you know? And I said, oh, yeah, sure. I had no hair. I just said, I'll do it. Um, so I arrived on, uh, I arrived up to do it. I was dressed in the big black kind of feathers and I had this mask on. And Now, it was a nighttime scene, so, and everybody, SFX was there and they all had, it gave all the Vikings, um, all our extras and our actors flambos. So it's basically like a, a stick with a flame. And it's a real flame. Now, all everybody's costume, okay, is doused with this special material that won't go on fire if you fall or anything, or if you drop the f- flame on top of you. The only costume that could that wasn't doused in this was my own. <laughs> and I had to lead these people down a hill that's all fake snow on it, but it is quite slippy because it looks like snow. <laughs> and I can't see out of this fucking helmet. And it's like this helmet mask. And I, the director's telling me, um, no, you have to soar like a board. You know, soar like a board. And thank God for Travis Fimmel. He actually saved me life. He's walking behind me, obviously. And he's the main actor. And he's leading. Um, like the camera's really on him. But I'm kind of in front of him. And I'm leading the people down the hill. But he's actually telling me as I'm going side to side, Dan, 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 stop. You're going to fall. You're going to fall. You're going to fall. And he's like, he's going <laughs> to help me guide me on the down because I can't see it for the life of me out of me fucking mouth. <laughs> but this is a little funny story I tell you. Listen, I will enjoy it. So if, if you get to episode four or season four, you, and it's, you see a man in a crow or raven outfit, that's me, bored boy. Okay. <laughs> that's funny, though. You're supposed to be the person leading the actors down the hill, and then the actor is actually looking up for you. Yeah, big time. Yeah, he did look up for me. Uh, he's a great... <laughs> Actually, all that I had to say, great. all the actors on Vikings is great. Like, you know, they're all that's awesome, they're all um, good to talk to, and they're very uh, approachable. Um, I got to like, I'm a big wrestling fan, and then uh, later on in the season, and you know, Edge 
joins Vikings. Oh, yeah. I remember hearing about oh, that. That was great. So I was like, oh, Edge, <laughs> spare. So I kind of wanted to spare him, which I... That is so awesome, though, man. I mean, that's that's like seeing your heroes in front of you for the very first time, uh, and seeing a wrestling superstar. That's that's fantastic. Exactly. Yeah, I got a picture of him, so I was delighted. But obviously, I chat with him every day nearly. Well, I was just I wouldn't know him too much, but like, I was a little bit of a fanboy around him, all right. <laughs> I imagine. Mm. Um, another thing too was I know that you sent me in a independent video clip of you working in the movie theater and everything. Like I told you before, I think you and I would actually be in some trouble if we worked together <laughs> because especially with the microphone. Yeah. I, I would be, in, I know for a fact I would be in some trouble right there, <laughs> but my question is this, how did you come up with that idea to do something like that? Because I thought that was actually pretty cool. That could actually be like a little reality show kind of thing where you can actually use something like that. Yeah, well, that's the, that, that, was the, that was kind of the aim when I left college. I said, I'm a big fan of mockumentaries, like The Office and all that type of stuff. Um, so, and I actually worked in cinema during college, so and I said, oh, you know what? A friend of mine, Jer, uh, we kind of wrote script, you know, um, like being in, like, similar to The Office, but set in the cinema, really, um, the different characters and um, we just went to vote and I said uh, I, I was planning on filming for a whole week but then it turned out the actual cinema was closing down for real so I was actually just for real oh. um, and then the premise of the pilot was um, obviously your man the manager didn't know that the cinema was closing down and then he's like panicking and but so it was like a mockumentary thing and I only have it on YouTube at the moment I, when I left college I thought because I had a whole whole idea for like six scripts and a whole premise. I'm, I wanted to kind of set it to a network and say, okay, okay let's make this. <laughs> um, but, you know, you get it. Not that you get but I was overthinking it in the sense of I thought it would be that easy, but it's quite hard to get a show made for real. Right. So um, you kind of have to walk away. And also I wanted to kind of, my dissertation at the time in college was about how like, social media and youtube and the stuff was getting so big and i wanted to kind of capture that at the time so that was part of my dissertation that would release uh, like a pilot for a tv show online and i try to gain as much um, momentum as i can and see if they watch it like you know and so yeah um it's it's a, it's a, i made it like it's close to 10 years now um but I, i'm still kind of pretty proud of it for what I have to do at the time and um, I think it's, it still has a bit of legs to it but yeah it's called a real life cinema <laughs> R-E-E-L life cinema so um, check it out if you if anybody else listens to this podcast and wants to have a little laugh and see what you think I actually am um, it was definitely funny <laughs> cool man actually I came across a little video I did in Vikings I kind of did this like jokey voice that I was going around and doing like a little tour to set. I might actually release that soon. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'm at the chat. That's actually pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, cool, man. <laughs> so now I think we're going to try and get it, get into our top 10 movies that made us cry. Yeah. So well, I always I... let the guest open up first. Okay. And well, everything. So uh... go on ahead. Good man. Well, I had to tell you. I had to when you. I used to. Say, I used to. We sat in a pub in college, and we did the same thing, talking about films that made us cry. Um, and when you said, "Oh, we're going to do that again," um, I, I had to actually. I was talking to a friend of mine, and we did it something similar in, on my podcast. So I did tell you that I was going to do it. So right. I, I hope you didn't mind that. <laughs> no, no, um, not at all, man. But, uh, I always try to let other podcasters have the freedom that they want to actually have for their show. Yeah. And if there's a segment that I'm doing that you want to uh, do a little bit of it on your show, that's perfectly fine. Go on ahead, do whatever you want. Cool. You know, that's your show. Yeah. I have so no problem with that. I'm not gonna try. I'm not gonna say the same ones. Kind of. I'm gonna try use a bit of different ones. So um, okay. I'm gonna start off with because I just had to finish and watching it, and I watched it again tonight. Um, Forrest Gump. Okay, that's actually on my list. So I that's can scratch fine. that one off and talk about it. Uh, no, that's fine. We can, we can. 
what I did in my podcast was um we went back and forth and we made a combined list. So I had five, he had five. Okay. So uh so uh, yeah, Forrest Gump man, it's just it's just like it's a great story, but it's so sad at times. Like um like Jenny really takes advantage of Forrest throughout the whole film. <laughs> uh, oh, she does. She definitely does. <laughs> yeah, and then like obviously when he his mum dies in the film. I'm not gonna. There's no point. I, I will say spoilers because I'm sure everybody has seen Peckham Forest Company now. If you haven't, <laughs> catch yourself on. But uh, yeah, so like obviously when Jenny dies, that's pretty sad, and he's at the graveyard telling her. But Bubba, when Bubba dies in his arms as well, that's another sad moment. Like you know, but um, it's quite heartbreaking. And even at the end, when his little kid is like daddy. Uh, and he's like, um, and Forrest goes, Forrest, you know, I love you. And he goes, I know that, daddy. And then, oh, it's like, oh, that part always breaks me, though, yeah. too. And that other part, too, whenever he's in the apartment with Jenny, and you see the kid watching TV, and he goes, He's just like me. He goes, Yeah, he's just like you. <laughs> and that that breaks me every time in that apartment scene. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, was there anything else that actually stood out for you with Forrest Gump that actually made you cry, or was that no, the only emotional part? Yeah, they're the moments that really kind of made me. There, I'm just kind of trying to think of the ones that made me kind of upset, and they were they were the ones, you know. Okay. Well, I also, also too, this movie will actually make you cry out laughing though too, with some of the stuff too. Okay. And. You know, moments some some stuff like the whole Elvis thing where where Forrest is over there dancing like Elvis. Yeah, no, even like all, and, all the all the like uh, you know when they recreate um, Forrest with actual presidents that like footage that happened in real life and they kind of superimpose Forrest company. Like all that stuff is right. quite funny. And then when he get, when he's when he's getting, coming out of Vietnam and he's like something bit me in the ass, but he got shot in the ass. Like, you know? <laughs> Right. Uh, I got to show him the bot talks. <laughs> and then he obviously runs for a good three years. And, oh, actually, there's a scene when I was a kid, I used, used to crack me up laughing when I first watched Forrest Gump was when he actually is running and your man reacts when he runs into shit. And he goes, oh, my God, you just ran into the whole big pile of dark shit. And he goes, shit <laughs> happens, you know. But, um, <laughs> but the, way the, the way the man says, you ran into a lot of dark shit. Like, but- it's so funny. And he's like, shit, high up ends. <laughs> exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, that was a good, That's that movie will actually make you cry. Oof. I mean, it, like, like I said, when you look at those two scenes that you described, and then there's also the part where his mom dies as yeah. well. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah, they're pretty sad already. That was also, definitely. So, for my number one that I have, I actually have Finding Dory. Oh, you know what? I haven't watched Finding Dory. I've, I liked Finding Nemo, but I haven't did Dory yet. Is it sad? Yeah? Well, for me, as someone who has ADD and people who have ADD, we forget certain things. Okay. Like, we can remember certain... Like, we have short-term memory loss, pretty much, if you think about it. But I also take medication for my ADD. But, you know... Is Dory was one of those characters where I can actually relate to on a certain level because of the fact is I always lose focus on certain things. Okay. And when she lost her parents and then her parents are when she finally I'm not going to go into spo- spoiler territory with it or anything like that. No, it's okay. But when sure. there are okay, mm. well, when she finally goes and sees her parents and finds them. Mm. And he goes, we could never forget about you. We, this is, we've been looking all over for you. And that just broke me to the point where I'm like, I can actually relate to this Mm. because of the fact that, you know, I have ADD. She has short term memory loss and we don't focus as good as people who don't have ADD, Mm. you know? So that's why I was able to relate to that. And then I also remember turning to the person I was with and well, first the person turned to me. She's like, "Are you crying?" I said, "Fucking fish." <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said in a PG movie. It's it's, ama- and, it's amazing how 
some cartoons actually can make you cry. Like it's crazy. It really is. It definitely is. Just because it's animated, it doesn't mean that there isn't anything on the screen that can't make you cry. Yeah. You know. So, that's what I got for my number one. Okay, very good. So, what do you have next? Um, I well, we'll stick on the cartoon teams because um, I kind of mentioned it something like it on my podcast, but um, I did mention this specific film, but it's All Dogs Go to Heaven. Oh, wow, dude, that's my childhood right there. Not only that, but I have Frenchie on from Schmoes of the North, and that was actually one of his favorite animated films. Oh, it's just, so, like, I know, like, <laughs> but when the dog actually dies at the start and it goes to heaven, it's, like, really sad. And, it's, oh, it's just really sad. Like, there's something about it that affected me when I was a kid. I don't know what it was. And, obviously, any time a dog dies or gets upset in a film, I can't watch it, like, I can't watch it. I, like I actually said it, and like there's a uh, general you know, um, Futurama. Have you watched Futurama much? Uh, not really. I haven't watched any of Futurama stuff or anything like that. Okay, well, there's an but... episode. I won't go into too much detail, but there's an episode that dog um is kind of left behind, and it's so heartbreaking. I talk about it on my podcast, so I won't talk about it too much now because I don't want to, uh, you know, regurgitate too much of my. Material. <laughs> but, uh, oh, I understand, man. But uh, yeah, it's pretty sad. So all dogs go to heaven is pretty sad for me. So that's uh, going to be on the list. Okay. And I'm going to go and t- uh, talk to you a little bit about all dogs go to heaven on how it made me cry, too. Okay, Because I like to converse on both sides, too. Yeah. And, you know, I remember as a kid, my mom actually rented this movie for me. <laughs> and I remember seeing Louie die. And then I remember... When he finally goes to heaven, and that was the first time, just about, besides Land Before Time, where, you know, death is actually a real thing. Mm -hmm. And to a kid that doesn't understand what death is, or anything like that, to know that there's another life after that, it's just, it'll haunt you as a kid, because you don't fully understand, you don't fully grasp that. You you can't can't grasp that stuff when you're that age, it's quite traumatic, like I... When I had the epiphany about death, um, I think I was 11 or 10, or, um, I'm not sure exactly what age I was, but man, I, I was really freaked out. I just thought, I was like, oh my God, what if everything just ends and it's black? And I had this concept of dying and it was really terrified me. So, imagine how, when you're so young watching something like that, how it affects you. Exactly. Um, Let's see, for me, I'm a huge history buff, you know? Mm-hmm. I love history. I love documentaries and stuff like that. So I'm going to put Steven Spielberg's Schindler's List on mine, on my <laughs> list. <laughs> so that's... I'm putting a list on a list, pretty much. For, oh, my God. Um, actually, that's a friend of mine who we talked about the sad films. He put that on his list as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Yeah. So, yeah, well, it's pretty sad, all right. Um, obviously, it's a real thing that happened in the real world. And the, the stuff, well, actually, I'll, I'll put another one that I talked about, uh, and it goes with Shinra's list. So, and we can talk about both at the same time because it's both kind of the same subject, but the boy in the striped okay. pajamas. I haven't seen that one. So, we're going to have to talk about that in a minute. Okay, great. Too, okay. Because I'm, I'm curious about that because I never heard of that one. But, you know, there's a part in Schindler's List where you see what looks like snow is falling on the ground. Mm. And the girl is over there looking up at the sky. And she just has this, she's just starting to cry. And you don't know quite why she's crying or anything like that. And it's, I'm going to be honest with you, it is quite beautiful, stunning in a way, in a haunting kind of way. But then when you realize that's actually the bodies of the Jewish people that are being burnt. Yeah, that's all. Awesome. That part gets me. And it's one of those movies that I can't really view that many times. You know what I mean? Because it has that such an emotional roller coaster ride. Exactly. Where it's like, okay, I, only, I can only watch this once. <laughs> I've only seen it once and I can only watch it once myself, to be honest. 
All right, so and, that was mine. Yeah, so the, <laughs> the boy in the striped pajamas is on the same. Obviously, it's um, it's a young German boy who's like with this rich family, but he befriends through offense of a conscious uh, concentration camp. Um, sorry, didn't say that word correctly there. <laughs> it's okay. Um, but um, obviously, he befriends like a Jewish a boy. And they're both the same age, and they're friends. And then he wants to play with his friend, and so he goes into the concentration camp. And then he, uh, the, the, like, it's a whole film. But towards the end of the film, he obviously goes in and plays with his friend. But then he gets mistaken as a Jewish boy. But, and then he, they all get thrown into this freaking gas chamber. And it's like this is what really happened. Like, uh, and like, it's just traumatizing. This poor boy is surrounded by adults and women, uh, everybody with their shaved heads about to get gassed and they're crying their eyes out and he doesn't know what's going on. It's fucking traumatic. I can only watch it once. But like this is what happened. Oh wow. This is really what happened. So like oh, I don't know. Like he was some man, this fucking adult I feel like wasn't he? Some crazy bastard. Oh wow. I need to actually check that out, to be honest with you. Just on the way that you're describing the scene and everything, oh, because yeah. I could imagine how haunting and sad that is. You yeah, know, exactly. It really is. All right, so I think we've six down, have we? Well, actually, we got three down. Oh, sorry. Okay. Oh, you're going. Well, you're going ten by ten. Yeah. So I'm, right. I'm saying ten. You're saying ten. Is that correct? Right. Okay. Cool. Exactly. Okay. Uh, so I've got the never-ending story on mine. Uh-huh. You know what? <laughs> Good man. Um, it's not on my list because I, but I know what you're, I know what scene you're going to talk about. The horse. Yep. <laughs> that horse scene with a tray or a trayx or something like that. Yeah. I can't actually say the horse's name, but... When you first get introduced into this world of the never-ending story through the eyes of the kid that's reading the book, you realize how much reading actually impacts you as a kid as you're reading through something. Mm. And then seeing it play out in his head. And then, you know, we have that same emotional attachment to that character and the horse and what the kid does. And that's actually the first time that I saw as a kid where you have, like, an interaction between the audience that you're watching at the film, this film and it has the same impact as the character actually has. That's reading yeah. the book. Yeah. You know? And that scene alone where the horse is, you know, you're seeing this Indian kid. Your heart is just breaking because you want him to actually get this horse out of this swamp that's actually swallowing this horse. Oh, it's awful. Yeah. It's trauma. It is really awesome. Yeah. yeah. And like somebody actually texted me saying, oh, why didn't I have that on my list? And they actually sent me a clip, and I watched it again recently about the horse. I was like, oh, why did you send me this clip? <laughs> That's just horrible. <laughs> um, okay, great. So uh, another one on my list is going to be One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh, man. I remember my grandmother actually owning that on VHS, and she made my mom borrow it because my mom hadn't seen that movie at that time mm. with Chad Nicholson or anything like that you know but I didn't get around to actually seeing that one because I've been wanting to I just never got around to seeing it I know it's good because I love Jack Nicholson I love his acting it's just that I didn't get around to actually seeing that you know well, uh, it doesn't really spoil I'll, I'll tell you the scene that kind of breaks you obviously it's, it's nearly the final scene of the whole film but the Simpsons did a rip off of it as well obviously um like obviously Jack Nicholson's character is a bit of a wind up merchant in the mental institution and uh, he keeps getting these uh, electroshock therapy um, to try calm down or just stop him from being such a messer and messing with all the other patients and he, he pretends that it affects him but then it doesn't really affect him, he always winks to like one of his, he befriends this giant um, uh, Indian Native American man, um, mm-hmm. and towards the end, obviously, it's fucking. He he goes and he's he's not he's not him anymore, and the Native American man realizes that, and he just it's heartbreaking the interaction between the two because he knows his friends not there anymore, and he ends up just lifting up the 
I can't think of what scene it was in Simpsons, but they did do a piss take of it. But um, yeah, that's on my list anyway. Okay. Like I said, I'm going to have to check that out because I know it's good. Mm. So I'm going to have that on my list next time whenever I do this again. And I'll tell you what I think about it. Good one. Um, let's see here. This is actually going to be in competition with Forrest Gump because Shawshank Redemption mm. was actually supposed to be was nominated for Best Picture along with uh, Forrest Gump during that year. And Forrest Gump winded up getting the Best Picture Award. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Like that year was a tough. Well, like though, around the nineties, early nineties or mid nineties, like there were some great films like competing against each other. Like really, it was definitely like like as, uh, Tom Hanks nearly went on it like, a three in a row. He got won the Oscar for Philadelphia, then he gets an Oscar yep. for Forrest Gump, then he gets nominated for Saving Private Ryan. The year <laughs> happened. Yep. Yeah, so. It was just been a crazy year for Tom Hanks during that year, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And during um, those three years. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that, Shawshank. That was the same year. But yeah, Shawshank, we, which, what scenes upset you the most of? Okay, so it was mostly the impact that Andy had on the prison. Oh, gotcha. Okay. You know? Okay. And... You're glued into Andy's story. You're glued into wanting him to get out of prison. Mm -hmm. And you also feel something for Red as well, because he's been trying to get out of prison for years. And it just goes to show you how bad the justice system was bad during that time, too. Because you also had corrupted people. You also He also had to dealt with, uh, you know, racist, racist issues as well. Yeah. And, you know, that part got me every single time when Morgan Freeman would go into the room to actually fight for his, pretty much try and BS them to try and let him go. Yeah, true. And, but the scene that got me was the part with Andy, when Andy finally goes, and you know what, Family Guy even made fun of this too. Mm -hmm. And even on uh, a Nicolas Cage, yeah, Mm. even on that Nicolas Cage movie too, there was also, um, I forgot the name of that movie, Raising Arizona. They also made fun of it a little bit. Okay. Um, but, you know, that part where he finally comes out and everything and he's finally free, that made me happy, but also made me cry at the same time because he's actually out. He actually has his life back again. That was taken away from him. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, yeah that's cool. I like the whole like, and, but... I'm just happy the end such a happy end <laughs> most definitely and then also to the old man inside the library too oh actually you know that's the, yeah the, you know that you say that scene actually yeah that old man when he doesn't he can't live outside oh yeah you're right actually right because since he's been so condemned into the prison life that's all he knows and he even got a job as a grocery person and stuff like that because he can't actually get a job because of his because of how long he's been institutionalized. And that's what even Morgan Freeman says. You've been institu- institutionalized for so long. This is all you know. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. And then when when you think Red's going to do that, you get fucking, like, you're, you're actually panicking. Like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and you. also, too, you know, prison life, for him... Think of it like an as abusive relationship, and you're with that per- person for like four or five years or whatever, for example, and you're used to that one person, and then all of a sudden someone's treating you good, you break it off with that person, so you should you can go to the back to the person that you actually know because that's all you know. Yeah, yeah, true. That's the same thing with the prison life that 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 old man went to because that's all he knows, that's all he knew because he's institutionalized. Yeah, you know, yeah, you're right. Let's go, but. Thank you. Uh, so what do you have on your next one? I'm going to go with The Last of the Mohicans. Oh, I remember seeing that in 8th grade history class. <laughs> I'll tell you why. Two reasons. Well, okay. It's it's a bit more emotional to me now because it's my mom's, one of my mom's favorite films. Um, my mom passed away this year. so. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. Um. So she passed away in April. So, and we actually played one of our the songs from the last Mohicans at our funeral. So, um, 
that's why it still has emotional impact on me. But it actually is quite sad at times because, uh, especially towards the end, when um, the young uh, English girl and I can't think of well, the the Mohegan, obviously, um, they fall in love and then he tragically dies and then she throws herself off the side of the cliff. That moment is just heartbreaking. <laughs> Most definitely. I still remember that scene, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And I remember there was not a dry eye in our eighth grade um, history class either during that time. Whenever you were, that scene that you were talking about. Yeah. You just have to watch it for history class. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> everybody. <laughs> here's the thing. Everybody thinks that's everybody makes fun of me for that, though, because of the fact that our school was, you know, if. They want if teachers wanted to go ahead and show a movie or whatever, they'll show a movie, mm. <laughs> and especially if it's scared towards history and stuff like that, especially Coach Ross. <laughs> and Coach Ross, I still remember this too. He actually paused the movie, and he go, and it was during the time I think when the female, uh, the one that the love interest looks at him a certain kind of way. And he pauses it and goes, okay, guys, now remember this look, because that's the look that your wife is going to give you when she's mad at you. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> right? Coach Ross was always a trip, but almost all of our teachers put a movie on for us to watch. <laughs> for what? some odd reason. That's good. I, I like that. We had, yeah, like, we, we had a teacher that um, did that the other time. But, like, it was fairly rare. But, like, he bought Unhappy Gilmore for us before. And we used to love it. <laughs> That's great. Okay. Hey, there's nothing wrong with some Adam Sandler, I'll tell you that. Oh, no, freaking hell. I actually <laughs> had an argument. I had an argument on my podcast with a friend of mine who's like, loves Adam Sandler. I was like, he doesn't make any good films anymore, though. Like, he doesn't. No. I'll argue with people about that now. Like, he made some great films, like Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison, um, Big Daddy, all that type of stuff. But, like, these days, oh. no, he's a great actor and he's. His stand-up special, I haven't watched it yet, but I heard it's quite good, actually. Um, Most definitely. Yeah. You know, I like him in Uncut Gems, to be honest with you. I've, oh, sorry, I've always yeah, said this. That. that was great. He was great in that recently. Yeah, that was great. Most definitely. Perfect. And this is what I tell everybody. I said, I feel like he needs to take a break from comedy and stick to his dramatic stuff and then come back with comedy later on. Yeah, maybe. Like Because like look what he did with... Jack and Jill. Look. For fact's sake, boy. I want to erase that from my from my mind. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I never watched that. I never will. Uh, I was guilty. I went to the movie theaters to see that. <laughs> okay, go ahead. The next one. Okay, the next one we have. I want to get back to these UFC fights? The main card okay. kick off. <laughs> okay, okay. So the next one is going to be the Patriot. The Patriot. Neil Gibson. Okay, you have to tell me about this one because I haven't seen it. So go ahead. Okay, this movie came out in the year 2000. Okay. It's a hit, and it's about a, a guy named Benjamin Martin, and he has kids. Uh, now, Benjamin never doesn't want to be partake in the Civil War or anything like that, and basically, Heat Ledger is in this movie, too. Oh, and, Yep. And he, he's a, here's the thing. Mel Gibson's actually a widow father, a widow farmer. And with a brave but a brutal military past, decides not to join up when the British arrive in 1776. However, when his son enlists and is later captured by the enemy, the former soldier must abandon his newfound pacifist uh, principles in order to rescue his oldest child. (laughs) Well, that's just what I'm getting at it, you know, because it's been... I'm reading the synopsis out of it and everything. That's what I normally do. Okay. If I'm, if I have a hard way of actually explaining something, I actually use that as a reference. Of course, yeah. No, no, sorry, I wasn't taking a piss or anything. That's okay. You're fine. Uh, but yeah, the reason why this movie made me cry though was because of the fact that he ended up having to witness his own son, his kid, who's no, um, who's little. Be killed right in front of him. Yeah, I know. By That's... one of the Brit, by one of Britain's uh, lead 
uh, generals. As a matter of fact, the lead general was actually supposed to be played by um, by another actor, and, and instead we wound up getting uh, Jason uh, Isaacs. I think it's uh, Isaacs. Jason Isaacs played the uh, general, hmm. the call uh, the colonel, and he just winds up killing his kid right in front of him. And then next thing you know, he's seeking revenge on on that. And then he kills his other son. And Benjamin's even worse off than where he ever was. He's in this war now that he never even planned on being in. Yeah, that's pretty. So, yeah, I'm going to watch it, actually. I think I could have watched it. It sounds familiar when you're describing that scene, actually, to be honest. It's actually pretty good. John Williams actually composed the music for it, too. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you one of mine, who, which is a bit um, bit of an Irish team to it. So you probably wouldn't, but it affects us here in Ireland. But it's uh, in the name of the Father. Oh, tell me about that one. Okay, well, Daniel Day loses in it, and it's basically a true story of a group of people who were wrongly accused to because they were living in London at the time, but they were from Ireland, so. They had an Irish accent, and it was during the Troubles. I don't know if you know a bit of Irish history. I'm not going to get too involved in it because I don't want to do it, not not do it justice by not explaining it correctly. Okay. But um, the IRA at one stage were were bombing pubs in London, um, as an act of war, because obviously years of oppression that the English put on Ireland for years and years. Um, it was like a they were trying to, obviously they wanted to unite Ireland as well. We we have six counties that are known as Northern Ireland, which is part of the United Kingdom. Um, mm-hmm. and it's, it's like basically, it's like, it, it's the equivalent of, there's 50 states in America. In there. So if you corner off, let's say, four states, and Canada takes them for them, <laughs> and they're, they're Canadian states, it's like, anyway, but, Obviously, we were all British ruled, and then we the Republic of Ireland occurred. Um, but this film was set in the eighties when there's some bombings occur, and a group of Irish people over in America, over in England at the time, um, get accused of bombing. Um, I think it's a car bomb at the time, um, but it's not them. It wasn't them who did it, and they were on trial and they go to prison, and then, thankfully, they get released. But some sad moments in it that really affects you as an Irish man. Oh, wow. I'm going to have to check that out, too. Mm. You're actually introduced me into some good uh, movies and everything, too, that I haven't seen. Yeah, that's fine. So, I, I actually just, that, that one just popped into my head here, so I'm going to take up a few more. Mm. I, I can't remember. I haven't got the list in front of me, so how many do I have left to give? Let's see here. That was actually, I think we only have, like, one. I'm on good after this one that I'm gonna do. I have three. Okay. So, I think you have three left too. Three left. Okay. 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 So mine is gonna be a Richard Dreyfus movie. Go ahead. And that is gonna be Mr. Holland's Opus. Oh, I've never seen this. So tell me about. Okay, so I can actually do this without the synopsis or anything like that. But, <laughs> uh, so. This is what the movie is about. Mr. Holland's opus is about Dr- Richard Dreyfus. He's a school teacher. And he teaches music throughout the 60s, all the way through the 90s. He teaches music. And basically, this one principal or system principal has been trying to get rid of him for years. And he teaches music class. This movie is about what teachers have for, uh, in store for their students about the impact that teachers has on their students hmm. and everything and it was in the 1960s I think it was in World War yeah it had to have been World War II I believe anyways one of the or the Vietnam War it was the Vietnam War and anyways this kid who could not even keep up with the beat in high, when he was in high school music class because he actually joined the band and Mr. Holland actually directed him in band and he couldn't keep up with the beat for anything to save his life when it came down to drumming and so anyways 
he graduates and everything a couple of years later he's teaching this not nosed kid everything who's like an impractical joker pretty much and he's mm. a wise ass and he just doesn't care he's very arrogant all of a sudden he gets a telegram saying that one of his students that he taught uh back in the day died in in war mm. And that was the kid that was actually uh, who couldn't keep up with the beat or anything like that. And he tells his student, meet me at the school at this such a time. And so he does. And they he drives over to where the kid that he taught uh, his funeral, that mm. kid's funeral. And that just had a big emotional impact on that kid later on in life. And realized that he needs to straighten his ass up. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's one you're going to make me bomb my list now. So I'll have to watch that for a play. All right. So what do you have next? Okay. For the next one I have, it's going to be maybe another one that you might put on your list if you haven't seen it, but it's called Room. I'm an, I, no, I don't have that one. Okay, great. So um, I can't wait to tell you about this one because <laughs> it's... um. Directed by Lenny Averson, a great director. He's directed a film, a few films here, uh, a lot of them are made in Ireland. But this one stars Brie Larson. Mm, I like so, Brie. Yeah. So the premise is she has been in locked in this room for a good amount of years, and um, because she got taken, um, well, like grabbed by a man and kept in this room. And obviously he does has his way of work and stuff, but she has this room um, and he's been doing it for years and she's actually had a kid and the kid is all the kid has known is this room. So he's only known this like six by six foot room all his life. Um, and it's just heartbreaking that there's a scene in it that they try to escape and my God, the tension has you on your edge of your seat. As this kid is trying, I won't. I'm not going to spoil this one too much because I want you to watch this and let me know. I want you. I want to hear your podcast. Okay. I want you, I'll definitely I want, will. Yeah, I definitely real. will. I'll check that out. There's a scene in it that's like, oh, the boy tries to. And, and that's explain. the realm you said. What's it? You said that's the realm. The realm. No, it's called realm. Sorry. Or oh, 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 oh. Realm. Okay. The yeah. room. Okay. No, no, just gotcha. realm. Just realm. Room? Okay, room. Yep. Got it. So, yeah, I'll de- I heard about the film and everything. I heard about it. I just never watched it. So, I'm going to put that on my list. As a matter of fact, I have it on my list right now to watch. Good so, the movie that I have on my on my list is a romantic comedy. <laughs> okay. It's a rom-com that came out in 2007. And it's got Gerard Butler in it. And it's called P.S. I Love You. Oh, another one that's uh, artist. And basically, it's about this woman who's struggling to move on from her boyfriend and everything after he died. Hmm. And he left her these notes. And she's going through these notes each day. And she's remembering him through the memories of those notes. Very good. And love letters. And, you know, you're going to laugh. You're going to cry. It is just one of those movies that is a tearjerker. In a sense. But that movie right there just made me cry because of the scenes. And also, too, we lose people every single day just about to different things. So that's why it's a lot more impactful to me because of the fact that, you know, we're not guaranteed to see tomorrow. And being able to have your friends' memories or your, you know, different uh, people around you with their memories and having those notes around just makes me cry because of that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. And I'll Thank have, you. Um, yeah, uh, I think the, the same or wrote P.S. I love you. I think they did 27 dresses. I'm not sure. I think so. I think they did do 27 dresses, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Because that does sound familiar. Uh, so we only have two more left. Okay. So my my penultimate one, the one before the final one, <laughs> is, okay. is going to be The Green Mile. 
Oh, that was that almost made my list. That almost did. Now, the, there's loads of sad moments in it, but the one that makes me really sad is actually the end of the fact that he lived this long life and all his friends around him died. And with a little mouse. That is very dramatic, man. That that I know the scene you're talking about. That part gets me too. But you know, not as much as what um what the kids not as much as the two girls obviously. Most definitely, man. Most definitely. But yeah, I I can see why that would actually affect you in that kind of way. And also the scene that when your man doesn't doesn't wet the sponge. Yeah. <laughs> that that whole entire movie is just you can definitely tell Stephen King is a great writer, especially when you look at that movie. Mm. You know? And it's just it's impactful. It's it's gonna make you cry no matter what. And the part with the sponge makes me cry too. You go ahead with your second last one then. Okay, my second last one is going to be Coco. Oh, the animation film. I can't remember. Yeah. Yep. And, okay, I love learning about different people's nationalities. I love learning their backgrounds and stuff like that on what they worship, especially the Day of the Dead stuff. I, I That's what I enjoyed a lot from it is the culture. I love learning the culture of other other countries. And, you know, when I saw Coco... And when I saw – the part that actually impacted me was when you thought that that guy was actually Coco uh, – thought that was his father. And how much of a douchebag that person was because he just didn't care. <laughs> yeah. And didn't affect – and I'm like, that part just brought me down to my knees on that. And then seeing his uncle there, that was actually funny though too. But, you know – it's like, okay, you want to actually know who your father is, and you're actually having a chance to actually might get a chance to see him in the afterlife. And the, it's like meeting your heroes. They're not as, you know, it's, they're not as nice in the spot as when you meet them, you know? Hmm. Kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. But, but it was just one of those things that impacted me because of the fact that, you know, you have Coco who's been wanting to know who his father is, wanting to get to know his father all that time. And then here's this guy who just has happens to be a total douchebag and doesn't care anything but himself. Yeah, true. That's uh, like it's yeah, it's it's amazing how many like cartoons actually bring out a lot of emotion. Like, there's so many of them. Actually, I'm going to I'm going to use a cartoon as my last one, I think. Okay. And it's gonna be, um, my, my friend actually talked talked about it, and he actually made me watch it again. Well, actually, I rewatched it again, but it's the cartoon version of The Lion King. Oh. And it's just when oh. most, most, when Simbad goes over to his dad and he realizes he's dead, oh, and then Scar is telling him it was his fault and he has to leave. Uh, oh, it just breaks your heart, doesn't it? It really does. Like I remember going to the movie theaters to see this as a kid too. Oh, did you? And mm-hmm. yeah, and I'm over there and I'm crying because you know Scar is making him blame himself for his father's death, and he has that over his head through his throughout his whole entire childhood. Yeah, it's very bad. And everything. And it's just, and not only that, but it's a Disney movie that actually mind boggles you to how close to reality that actually is. You know? Yeah. And whenever he didn't understand that his father died, and then all of a sudden he doesn't know that Scar killed his father, and then he tells him to run, to get out of there, never to come back again. And it just makes you sad. It makes you feel something for Simba because of the fact that he was supposed to be the next, per- the next king to the yeah. ear. And now he has to forget about his whole life altogether. Absolutely, yeah. But thankfully, it's somewhat of a happy ending. <laughs> definitely. Definitely <laughs> a happier ending. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so, okay. So, we're on the last one of yours. Go ahead. So, I'm going to go with 
uh, Pat Adams. Oh, good one. Very good. Robin Williams is great. Definitely. And I wanted to say this. This movie is funny. It makes you cry. It's a great drama. Philip Seymour Hoffman does a great job at playing the asshole roommate <laughs> in this film. Um, also, too, this movie will actually have a huge impact on you and inspire you as well. And the scene that actually makes me cry is whenever Patch gets the call saying that his girlfriend died because of this one patient. And he felt like he was responsible because of what happened to her, because he's the one who opened up that hospital for patients because he wanted to be a doctor so badly and also in practice medicine. And basically every single professor was against him. And he was actually the smartest person in that whole entire university. You know? Yeah, I have to watch that again, actually. Because I, I only watched that once, and I watched it years ago, you know? Oh, I I think I watch it every once a year or whatever. I always try to watch a Patch Adams. Hey, Daniel. I'm back, John. So I don't know what it's okay. Uh, sometimes it acts wonky. You know how anchor is sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that, that was fun. I enjoyed that, man. So I want to log back on just to say thanks for having me on. And uh, I enjoyed that. Oh, not a problem, man. I'm, I'm glad to actually have you on and everything. I know the time difference and everything is a little hectic and everything. But, you know, I'm glad that you were able to do it and everything. I'm sorry that I have you up so early. No worries, because uh, the main card is about to start now of UFC Fight Island, so Paige okay. Van Sant is the first fight. Oh. Um, what, what, are you, what, are you, what are you thinking for the fights tonight, anyway? Well, you, right now, and I want, I'm rooting for the same guy that you're rooting for, because he's been fighting and training so hard. Masvidal. Yeah, he's been, he's been training hard. Harder than this other person. Uh, and he has he has the spirit he has the he has what it takes to actually do it, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And that's who uh, I'm going for because he, he just has the heart to go and make it that far. Good stuff. Well, listen again. Thanks for having me on, and I hope I didn't bore your listeners too much. But, I don't uh, think so. I don't think so at all. I found it fascinating. I think my my listeners are going to find it fascinating as well. And you're always welcome right. to come on the show. And I also want to say, too, that I think I figured out a way for us to actually work out a time schedule, too, which I'll message you about um, when we can actually do we, be on each other's show and everything. So I'll swing that by you once we get off. Okay, cool, man. Cool. That's great. All right. Um, thanks so much. And um, Yeah, I hope also everybody can understand my accent. And I wasn't too... Oh. Uh, you know, sure the, Irish accents, the Irish accents sometimes it's hard to understand. So, <laughs> I, I think my listeners are going to be A-OK. I think they're going to be just fine. Good stuff. But Listen, definitely. Be well. So, have a nice day. Enjoy you your too. weekend. You too, man. Um, you have talk, a good one. Talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good. All right. Bye-bye. See you, buddy. Bye-bye. See you.